not really. <laughs> but uh, I do appreciate uh, the opportunity that you all provide that we can come and fellowship with you in the truth about Jesus Christ and about God our Father. And thank you for all the times that we've gathered together downstairs. I greatly appreciate it. It has been a big help for me. That, uh, we have a great deal of thanksgiving for you people. So with that in mind, if you'd open your Bibles to the book of Joy, and as you're turning to that place, that book is the last book in the Bible. Book of Revelation. I realize so many people want to call it many other things, but I believe it's a book of joy. As we read through this, we might point this out, and I would hope that God would cause each and every one of us, Bill, to grasp onto every word that the Lord had written down for us in order that we might have this joy. And if you'll bear with me, I'd like to read the first chapter of the book of Revelation. Try to bring out two or three points that's, that's in it. I can't go through all of them because it would be here until midnight. But in, <clears throat> pardon me, in verse 1, Revelation, the first chapter, says, The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave to him to show to his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. And who bore witness or record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that heareth the words of this prophecy and keepeth those things that are written in it for the time <clears throat> is at hand. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you in peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us a kingdom of priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory forever and to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also who pierced him. And all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning of the, and the ending, saith the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, also am your brethren and companion in the tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me as a great voice of a, as of a trumpet, saying, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book, send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, and Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. 
And being turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Your Bibles may say candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of, Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girded about with the, the breast with a golden girdle. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine, fine brass, as it was burned in the furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters, and had in his hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went, went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun that shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, for I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write these things which thou hast seen, the things which are, and the things that shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, the seven and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which thou sawest are, are the seven churches. What I've just read for you is what God had, what God had given the Son to, to, call, to send and give to John, John to have written down for us. And I want to point this out at the outset of it because I think that we should establish who it is that's doing the speaking through all, uh, through all of this here. Because it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him, Jesus Christ, to show unto his servants things which might shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by an angel unto his servant John. That word angel means messenger. And, and I might ask the question, what messenger did the God use, God the Father use, to give John all these words? Well, we read it for you here. Because whenever John, whenever he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, he said he heard behind me a great voice, one that spoke with me. And then he, he goes on and, he tell, and that voice tells him exactly what to do. You take, you write in a book those things which thou hast seen, uh, which heard, you write them in a book, and you send it to these specific churches here. And I might point that out as well. He just didn't send it to everyone. Bill, he sent it to those seven churches. And he sent and signified it by an angel unto John to do all this. Let me just read it for you because I think it's, it points out here, who was doing all the speaking. And before I read this, let me point out, David, that, that I don't know what language they were speaking in. It doesn't tell me. Although we have had it in, in, in our history that we have, it was written in Greek. But I look at it, the one that's doing the speaking here, I want to point out that he was a Jew. The one he was talking to was a Jew. And I looked, Ron, I think that he probably spoke to him in the Hebrew language. I don't know that for certain, but I do know that he spoke to him and he told him what to do. This here was also translated from the Greek 
to the English, and I believe it's just as true in any language you may you may want to it may be written in that all of it's true because God gave a promise over in the book of Isaiah, the 55th chapter and verse 11, if I'm not mistaken. He said, my, the, my word that goeth forth out of my mouth shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish whereunto, where I please, and it will prosper in a thing whereunto I send it. This is what he's sending this now to these ones here, to those seven churches. And I'll tell you what they are in just a little bit as far as the ones that made up these seven churches because I believe that God places each and every one of them in the body as it has pleased Him as recorded for us in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter and verse 18. God puts them in there exactly the way that he, he, He's determined. And not only that, but let me just read this for you as, you, as well. In verse 12 of chapter 1, I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. Now, Ron, I want to point this out. John was told, Those things which thou hast seen, the things which are, and the things that shall be hereafter. In other words, we're dealing with not only the past, we're dealing with the present, and also the future from that point on. In other words, from the time that it was written, from that time on. And I want to tie that together, Ron, because I believe in this for you, that this here is also telling us all those things that happens in chapter 2 and chapter 3 are the things that's going to happen as well. None of it is by accident. I realize so many want to think that, that things just come about by chance. Well, let me point this out. Everything is, comes about because of an appointment that God has determined, that He has made. And Chuck, it's going to come in to, to pass just exactly the way it hit. He, he, is, he is predestinated to, to, to be. But it, when he said, I, and as I turned to look to hear the voice of him that spoke with me, And then he, said, then he says, and as I turned, he that spoke with us here, the voice that spoke with me, and being turned, I saw seven lampstands. That's the first thing that he's seen. And in the midst of that seven lampstands, all the description, I heard it go through this, is only a description of Jesus Christ. That's where he walks at. And that's recorded for us in chapter one, 2 and verse 1, where he walks amongst the seven golden lampstands. But I want to point out, this was the Lord who was the angel giving to John. I realize somebody think, well, you're telling the Lord was an angel? That was exactly what he was, David. He was a messenger given the words that God gave him to give to John in order that he might show unto his servants. And I might point that out. Chuck, was, when we're talking about a servant, I just wonder as far as how does one become a servant? I realize in this day and time we say we have to join forces. VBA says we have to be willing to serve in order to be a servant. Well, let me just read for you some scriptures here about the servants. And I realize it may be quite lengthy, but I want to go back all back into the Old Testament first. And read for you here 
of all the things that I believe as far as a servant is concerned, that they're not something that I believe is that, that they develop within, that they're developed by themselves, but rather they are also purposed, they're also created by the hand of God. In the book, remember where it's at, Isaiah, the 49th chapter. And verse 5. And now saith the Lord, who formed me from the womb to be his servant to Jacob and bring again Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. lot in this. We don't have time to cover it all. But he says, the Lord who made me from the womb. You remember, Bill, over in the first chapter of the book of Jeremiah, in verse 5 where Jeremiah says, whenever God spoke to Jeremiah and said, Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee. Before thou was brought forth from the womb, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Let me ask the question, what could Jeremiah be other than a prophet? My answer is nothing. He was created for that purpose. And so it was with Isaiah what he said. You formed me from the womb to be the servant. Not to do whatever I so please, but rather I, am, I have been made a servant to, to, deliver thy, to deliver thy word. Let me read for you also. And I think Brother Ron was close to it the other day whenever he was reading in Isaiah the 64th chapter. In Isaiah 64 and verse 8, it says, But now, Lord, thou art our Father. We are the clay. Thou art the potter. We are the works of thy hand. And I want to point that out. We are the works of God's hands. In the book of Ephesians, the first, second, or second chapter and verse 10, says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained before the foundation of the world. I believe that ordained that we should walk in them. I'm sorry. He is were his workmanship. That potter took the clay and formed it exactly the way that he wanted it to be, even as far as servants is concerned. And whenever he gave his words to his son to show unto his servants, that's who's going to be, to whom he's going to show it. I realize their perception on the part of us is all based upon what God has given to us. We don't... conceive all these things at one time. He gives them to us little by little, a little here and a little there. We grow in that grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And when they're speaking about that, we're talking about growing in grace and knowledge of what He has done, 
what he has performed, not what we have done on our own. But these servants are, I believe, are created by God, made by God, and even as we take the Apostle Paul, we read in Romans, the first chapter and verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. God it was who chose out Paul. And if you go and read how that he took Paul, knocked him down on the road, told him he had sent him to a certain place, and told him, it will be told to thee what thou shalt do. He even told Ananias, he said, I'm, he's a chosen vessel. I'm going to show him things he must suffer for my name's sake. In other words, as he serves. Let me read for you in the book of Ephesians. And, what, and my whole point in reading all these things is pointing out that you see he sent and signified it by his angel unto his, uh, or to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Those servants are going to be shown those things. In the book of Ephesians, the third chapter, let me read for you here in verse 7. He says, Of which I was made a minister according to my will. Uh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Mis misquoted that. Misread it. On purpose. Of which I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God which which God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Now let me ask the question. If God forms us, makes us, brings us forth, are we going to in any way nullify the power that he places within us to be made a servant? Bill, no way. And we're thankful for that. And this is why I call it a book of joy. To show unto his servants. Let me read for you also in the book of Colossians. I think the first chapter if I'm not mistaken. Verse 25. Colossians 1.25 Paul was caused to write this down by the inspiration, by the effectual working of the power of God within him. And when he wrote these things down, this is what he said in verse 25, of which I was made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Dave, I don't know what, what most people think about that, but when to fulfill. He made him a minister, and he says here that it's that it's by the by the dispensation of God which was given in him to fulfill. And do I think about these things, how to fulfill? He's talking about complete. It's going to be completed. So none of us should be disheartened. I realize as far as the world is concerned, they might not uh, 
like what we have to say about God being in control, making his servants, causing them servants to walk in a certain path, to perform certain, certain things, but it is God who made them the servants. And we read for you over there in the book of Isaiah, I think it was 64, that we are going to be satisfactory in the eyes of the Lord. Chuck, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It's how God looks at it. And God looks at us as being made perfect. Let me point this out to those servants. I believe they are the ones that are called the man of God. In the book of 2 Timothy, the third chapter, and verse 16, it says, All Scripture is given, not earned, not taken in because of how intelligent you are, but it's given. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, not only what is recorded, but also, I might point out, even Sister Betty, the understanding of it is something that is given to us. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All those things are going to be profitable for an end result. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished or fulfilled in all good works. But all of this is because God it is who, who not, has made these servants and he sent and signified this unto his angel, to his servant John, to sh or to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And, he, and Jesus Christ was the messenger that the God used in order to describe all these things that has taken place. Let me just point this out. My nephew many years ago told me, he said, when you read things backward, it puts things in per more in perspective in certain times. I want to take this a little bit backwards here, Bill, and read for you here in verse 19 and 20. Or 19. It says, Write the things which thou hast seen. And let me just pause. What is it that John had seen? We can go back through many of the scriptures and point out. But what he just saw was this one who was dressed in a, in a robe all the way down to his feet, girded about the breast with a golden girdle, his eyes like a flame of fire. Not only that, but his hair like, like snow. What that's talking about is the wisdom and, 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 his, and his eyes like a flame of fire. He has all vision. He's a discerner of the heart and the mind. There's nothing hid from him. But he describes this is what he saw. And not only that, but as he saw these things, he saw what, he, what his care was as he walked among the seven golden lampstands, having the seven stars in his right, I believe, in his right hand. All these things. And then he says here in this verse, and the things which are. 
What are the things which are? Well, let me tell you what he's, what he's talking about. He's talking about the events that are taking place at that particular time. The things which are. In other words, what is now. And this is what was happening. As he told John, he said, Now, John, what thou seest, you take and you write in a book. And they kind of confused me there for a while. I, where'd he get the material to write in a book? He was cast over in the, the Isle of Patmos from all the rest of humanization. He, cast over, where'd he get all this? Well, Chuck, I can tell you this. He got it because God provided it one way or another. He doesn't describe how it was described. But I believe he provided it for him to write it down in a book. Those are the things which are. And let me just deal with a couple other things hurriedly here. I won't keep you too long. Well, let me go back just one verse. In verse 3. I'm just going to touch on this, Lou, as far as all the things that are written here because we could spend hours on all this. But he said, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keepest those things which are written in it. And I want to point this out. Bill, they are not blessed because they read. They are blessed to read. It's no different whenever the Lord was here and spoke in the book of Matthew, the fifth chapter, not mistaken, verse 8. He said, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. They're not blessed. They don't hunger and thirst in order to be blessed. Rhonda, they are blessed to hunger and thirst. Not only that, but he tells them also what the result of that hunger and thirst is, is that they shall be filled. Many times I may go away a little hungry, but the Lord always gives me a complete meal and as he sets the table before us, he gives me enough of his sovereignty, his predestination, his love, his grace, all the things that are set in our plate, all is provided by the one that's in the kitchen, and that's God. Because all of this is a provision that is given unto us. Another, let me, as we're on that point, let me, take you over here to the second chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. I know this is very familiar to you, but let me just point this out. Many people want to think all we have to do is take and read this book, discern what is in it, come up with a theory in order that we might understand all the works of God. Well, let me just point out, no one is, can, can do any of this. It's not a provision that God has made for everyone. You remember in the book of Matthew, the 13th chapter in verse 10 to 11, when his disciples came to him and asked him the question, what must we do that we might work the works of God? What did I say, the Matthew what? 13th chapter, I'm sorry. 
said, the Lord, the disciples came unto him and asked him the question. said, why speakest thou to them and to them in parables? He answered and said unto them, because it is given. And I want to emphasize that. Given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but unto them it's not given. Someone made a separation, and it wasn't a speaker. God it is, it's given to them, but it's not given to these. And so it is with us as well. In second in First Corinthians, the second chapter. Let me read this for you here because I think it points out so plainly how it is that all this is, is given to us. He says in verse 12, Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is of God, that we might know the things which is freely given to us of God. That word might there is not a maybe. That is a positive statement. That these ones here, that they might know this, is freely given unto them. It's not something they earned, not something they acquired on their own energy, but rather it is something that is given to them. And I believe all this is a provision that God has made for, the, made for his, his servants. Let me make this other point as we, as we talk about the things in the book of Revelation and Ron, I don't have the time to go through all every verse, but here these ones are blessed to read, blessed to hear, and bless, and the only way they can hear is to is a hearing ear and a seeing eye being provided for them, which is all of the Lord, Proverbs twenty and twelve, and not only that, but Matthew ten, sixteen, I think, when he says, "Blessed are your eyes," no. Matthew 13, 16. Blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. God blesses them in order that they might hear and they might see. And this is what it's telling they're blessed to do all this. And in the latter, in verse 1, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us. And let me just pause there. That love is an everlasting love. He places that love upon us. That love causes us to have a love for him. We love him because he first loved us. And we're going to have that love because God places that within us. Romans, the fifth chapter and verse five, says, what manner of, what, what manner, let me, forgot what, said, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. God sheds that love into our hearts. We, Ron, can do nothing but love. Individually, we may have opposition. But brother, spiritually, I love you in the Lord because of the truth that God has placed within you and also given us a fellowship with one another because of that truth. I'm very thankful for that. But I wanted to point out, He loved us with an everlasting love. Not only that, but He tells us one other thing here in this verse. And hath washed us from our sins in His own blood. 
David, there's something that came to my mind, or a question. How good of a job did he do? He didn't say partly wash. They're from us. Not on us. But he washed us from our sins. I believe he done a 100% job. Not 99.9% clean, but teetotally clean. He cleansed us from our sins. It's not because of something we done. Not because of our repentance. Not because of our walk. Not because of changes in our life. It's because he washed us from our sins in his own blood. I go many times, Chuck, to Matthew, the 21st chapter, I mean, the first chapter in verse 21. When Jesus was before his birth, he already had a dedicated, predestinated course to walk. And that walk was going to be all the way to the cross even through the cross. But he says in Matthew 1.21, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That word save means deliver. We have been delivered from our sins. Now, I'm not talking on the physical plane, because there's little times, David, you and I are going to tell a little white lie. We're not going to be completely truthful in every respect. We may do little things that's not completely satisfactory as far as man is concerned. But as far as sin is concerned against God, in other words, declaring man is what he is because of his will, because of his doings, because of every, every energy that he puts forth. We are what we are by God's grace. We're not going to walk any longer in it. We've been delivered from it. Over in the book of Romans, the 6th chapter in verse 1, says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? That was a question. What was the answer? Verse 2, God forbid. God forbid it. We're not going to continue in sin that grace may abound. Because God forbids that. And he, te- and he describes wh- how it is that it's forbidden. He says, we are dead to sin, shall walk no longer in it. We're dead to it. Let me read for you something Brother Randy read last week in his message that we, had to, that we were privileged to hear. Over in the book of 1 John, the third chapter, and verse 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. That's an impossibility. For those ones to whom God has placed within them a new heart, a new spirit, called them out, being there, being the one who washed them from their sins, delivered them from their sins, they'll walk no longer in it. Committing sin, Ron is talking about against the government of God. 
declaring that man is what he is by his own free will, by his own doing, by his keeping the law, holding on faithful. I was thinking about this when people like the lawyer said, oh, I do this, I do that, I've kept, kept the Sabbath, I've paid tithes. There was one word in there, Chuck, that, that nullifies it all. One word spelled with one letter. I. We are what we are by what God has made us. And that causes me, Phoebe, to be thanksgiving to Him who sits on the throne and works all things after the counsel of His own will. We are what we are because of what God works within us. Not only that, but let me just hurriedly get to this other point and we'll bring it to a close. How many times have I said that? Four? Let me read this for you. And Ron, I want to point this out. The things which are. When John was doing the writing, that was during the time which with things which are. When he received the word, this is during that time, the things which are. After that, we're going to read the things which are as far as it's come to pass in chapter 2, chapter 3, the things that shall be hereafter, which happens on this earth. The things in chapter 4 begins a, begins a work in, in glory. But here he said, in, in, in this here, about what John said, the things which are. And I want you to pay particular attention to this because this is what the Lord, I believe, has had written down for him for us in order that in order that we might have a joy. Notice she's watching my hand, Phoebe. It's, some people call it uh, other things, a disability. I call it a reminder. Get a reminder, yeah, I have this little shake down then. But it's a reminder. It's a reminder, oh yeah. Reminds me ever every little shake. About what? About God. Over in the book of Acts, the seventeenth chapter and verse twenty five. He giveth to all life and breath and all things. Later on in that chapter, I think verse 28, it says, In Him we live, we move, and have our being. That movement, David, reminds me, God's thinking about me. <laughs> so, sorry about it, but He has great many thoughts. And I'm thankful that he causes me to remember all those thoughts that he has of us. Getting down to my point, verse 6. We're talking about the things which are. And hath made us a kingdom of priests unto God, his Father. To, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He's not talking about after a while. This is taking place now. Hath made us a kingdom of priests. This is why, Bill, I called the book of joy. 
I look back and see what the Lord has made us. Although we're not worthy of it, I look at myself and I fell, I fall quite short of expressing all the things that God has done on my behalf or on the behalf of His sheep. But I believe He's made us a kingdom of priests. Let me read two other verses of Scripture if we may. First Peter, very familiar to you. Chapter 2, verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praise of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Phoebe, I don't worry about any darkness overcoming me. I've been called out of that. And I've been called out of that for a purpose. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people or a people of his own, that ye should show forth the praise of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Are we going to do it? There's only one answer, people, and that is yes. Those ones to whom he's made servants, those ones whom he's called out of the darkness, put in his marvelous light, and he's put them together in a particular place. I'm not talking about, Chuck, this building. I'm talking about he's put us in a body of Christ. It's not that we don't, that we don't, that we don't care about this building. It's just the point is the building is nothing. What he's talking about is the body of Christ and members in particular. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. But here in chapter 2, First Peter, and let me close with this. Verse 5. Ye also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house. And let me pause. Ye as living stones, or lively stones, are built up a spiritual house. My question, Rhonda, who's the builder? <laughs> Say, we're the builder. People, we don't build this body or this body of Christ or the church. It's the Lord that adds to the body as it has pleased Him. He sets them in there. Might even take Ron. He nails them to the wall. Puts them there permanently. And let me also add this. You and I can't expel them. We didn't put them there. We don't take them out. They're there for a particular purpose, every one of them. 